Good evening, this is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I am your host, T-O-T-T-L-E-Y, coming from you from this place called Earth. Uh, We are trying to get common sense to all of our listeners today, and today is April 8th, 2023. First, I would like to thank all the people who download and listen to our podcast from Brussels, France, Italy, California, Snellville. I thank you so much. On this week's episode, we are going to talk about autocracy or fascism. Why is it so popular among the Republicans? Really, why is it so popular? Why do they like it so much? They don't like Cuba, but they love fascism. That's the Republican agenda. Let's get to it. No point standing around. We'll only be showered by more boulders. Ready your horses on the double. Be honest. Are all of us riding toward death? Yes, we are. And since we're dying anyway, you're saying that it's better? Isn't it these time fighting? I am. But wait, if we'll die anyway, then who cares what we do? We could just disobey your orders, and it wouldn't mean a thing, would it? Yes, you're precisely right. (laughs) Everything that you thought had meaning, every hope, dream, or moment of happiness, none of it matters as you lie bleeding out on the battlefield. None of it changes what a speeding rock does to a body. We all die. Does that mean our lives are meaningless? Does that mean that there was no point in our being born? Would you say that of our slain comrades? What about their lives? Were they meaningless? They are not! Every soldier has been driven to us all! Yes, this is the Common Sense Party Podcast. The mission of our podcast is to inform our listeners on topics that affect their everyday life. Uh, please give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars. Even if you give us one star, if you give us no stars, I will assume that I'm doing it correctly. Rate us, review us, subscribe, follow. All can be done for free where you get your podcasts. We are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and yes, we're still working on Apple. Our first story tonight is, yes, I thought it would be the big story of the week, but it's not. Trump got indicted. Trump got indicted, uh, I think it was Tuesday of this week, and that was not the big story of the week, but check this out. President Donald Trump pleaded not guilty to 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. Marking a historic moment in American politics, 
No ex-president has ever been charged of a crime. Anyone who cares about the health of American democracy and Americans' faith in our institutions and our legal system um, has to look at this moment with trepidation. This indictment stems from hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels back in 2016. The district attorney, Alvin Bragg, called it a catch-and-kill scheme. The participant's scheme was illegal. The scheme violated New York election law, which makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. Hours after his New York court appearance, Trump stoked his base during a speech at Mar-a-Lago. The criminal is the district attorney because he illegally leaked massive amounts of grand jury for which he should be prosecuted, or at a minimum, he should resign. What he's really doing is um, appealing to a sense among a lot of these voters, uh, you know, whether or not that sense is well-deserved, um, of resentment, of victimhood, of a grievance. Even if Trump were to be convicted, it wouldn't bar him from running for president. So how has this indictment started to shape the presidential race and further test democracy? I think this whole process is destabilizing to democracy. Um, what I don't want to do is put the finger on where it starts, right? So we could say, um, is, it, is the indictment destabilizing? Well, is it what, what brought the indictment destabilizing, right? Since the moment he incorrectly predicted the timing of his arrest, Trump has been in the eye of the media storm. It puts him in the limelight once again. He gets all kind of free press and free, free publicity and helps him stay ahead of all of his competitors, at least in public visibility. His allies have already used the political momentum to raise millions in fundraising efforts. Please help President Trump if he could fi afford five or ten bucks. But the messaging isn't so simple for Trump's GOP competitors eyeing the Republican nomination for 2024. I think the country would be better off talking about things that the American public is, cares about than to sit there and have to deal with some revenge by some political people in New York. I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star. I have no interest in getting involved in some type of manufactured circus. And I think that will be the pivot that um, all of his opponents uh, will try to do with Republican voters is to say, yeah, it may be that you disagree with the, uh, the prosecution with, with this indictment, but do you really want the mantle bearer of our party to have this along with all these other legal problems on his shoulders? If they want to have any chance in, in the campaign, in the primary, they should be getting out ahead on this and begin criticizing Trump and trying to gain support outside of Trump's base to put them in a good position to, to win the Republican primary. None of them is doing this. They, they're, they're all seem to be at the mercy of Trump's base and are best, and basically, you know, are scared of, of uh, offending them. And come the general election, political scientists weigh how Trump's legal baggage will play with a critical portion of the electorate, the independent voter. It's hard to imagine that this indictment ends up winning the hearts of a lot of independent voters who will be key in November 2024. These charges come as three other investigations into Trump are pending. A Georgia grand jury is weighing Trump's efforts to overturn results in the 2020 election. And the Department of Justice has two investigations, one into Trump's potential mishandling of classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago, and the other examining Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection. We know from studying public opinion is that the general public is not going to pay too much attention to the details, particularly as all of these cases can pile up. 
what people are going to pay more attention to are the personalities. And to the extent that these cases become part of a broader narrative that Trump just has too much baggage, that could be a problem for him in trying to clinch the Republican nomination. All right. That's from the Washington Post. The I think the New York District Attorney did the Atlanta District Attorney a favor by going out first. This one is not a major um like if he gets convicted he he probably get like three to four years because thirty four indictments and it's hush money so it's a white collar crime. The one that I'm waiting for is Atlanta. The one where he tries to swing the election for himself. And that's the one. That's the one that could get him in trouble. Because that's election law. And if he's and if he's convicted of that, he can't run for any office. Alright. So again he's in the public limelight again, but can we learn from twenty sixteen? Will the independent voters swing the people who stayed home in twenty sixteen? which are the Democrats and some of the independents, will they come out in 2024 if he's a nominee? I think he will be the nominee because all those people want the base to vote for them so they're not going to criticize him. They're going to do what they did last time in the fold. A bully's going to come up, punch him in the nose, and they ain't going to do shit. So, let's say he wins the nomination. He will not win the general because the independent voters will not vote for him. At least I hope not. Hope the independent voters, like at least what, thirty percent of the independent voters go Democrat, and all the Democrats energize their base to come out. Yes, he will not win. Hopefully, cross fingers. All right, again, this is the Common Sense Party podcast, and I appreciate all the downloads from Brussels, Belgium, Ashford, Virginia, Grenoble, California, France. Toronto, Italy, Snellville, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee. I thank you so much. So tell a friend to tell a friend that we are available online. Thank you so much. All right, moving on to our next story is Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas, let's see. We, I'm going to say we. He is a conservative black Supreme Court judge who was just found out he was being bribed by his friend and that's major because his wife is also I think she's part of a library somewhere in DC let's check out the story from CNN this just in Supreme Court um, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has now issued a statement the first comment from Thomas or the Supreme Court after the report by ProPublica laying out how Justice Thomas and his wife went on many trips over the years paid for by his friend and big Republican donor Harlan Crone and importantly did not disclose that in any disclosures Ariane Vogue is back with us with more on the statement Ariane what is the justice saying now Right, you're absolutely right. The first time we hear from him after the release of that bombshell report that really detailed over the years that he took these trips, 
places like New Zealand, Indonesia, on private uh, yachts, private jets, never disclosed it, and it was all paid for by this mega Republican uh, donor named Harlan Crow. I'm going to read you the statement, and it's kind of long, but keep in mind, we do not usually hear a statement like this uh, from Clarence Thomas. He said, Harlan and Kathy Crow are among our dearest friends, and we have been friends for over 25 years. As friends do, we have joined them on a number of family trips during the more than a quarter century we have known them. Early in my tenure at the court, I sought guidance from my colleagues and others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was not reportable. I have endeavored to follow that counsel throughout my tenure and have always sought to comply with the disclosure guidelines. These guidelines are now being changed as the committee of the Judicial Conference responsible for financial disclosures for the entire federal judiciary just this past month announced new guidance. And it is, of course, my intent to follow this guidance in the future. What's interesting about that statement is he wants to make clear that Harlan Crow had no business before the court. He wanted to highlight that. But as you know, this comes, this story comes as the court itself is under this harsh spotlight. So many people are beginning to think that it's beginning to look like another political branch after we've had those contentious um, confirmation hearings of late and as the justices have been more and more on those hot-button issues dividing along these familiar ideological lines. So this comes at a time Thomas wanted to respond very quickly and he's trying to explain why he didn't report uh, these trips uh, before those ethics rules were changed. And as you said, it is, a, it is rare to hear a statement from one of the justices in responding to a news report especially um, that's out there. It's an important and full statement coming from Justice Thomas right here. Ariane, thank you so much for jumping on to bring us that. This is Democracy Now! Democracy. All right. Uh, just to catch everybody up, yep, he's been doing that for years, and he got caught. They didn't change the rules. He just didn't. He didn't. He didn't follow. Uh, right now, probably nothing's gonna happen because the House is GOP controlled and the Senate is dem- Democratic controlled. They're gonna probably put up impeachment uh, legislation, but it's not gonna pass because the GOP is in charge of the House. If I'm saying if. If the Democrats win in 2024, win back the House and keep the Senate, keep the presidency, which I think they will, then they should do that. They should actually do that. Do that when they could actually impeach him. That is the crazy thing about it. Uh, it's who you know. What you know because they will abuse power, and I think the Republicans will abuse power. All right, moving on to our next story the Democrats won the most important, um, most important race of 2023 that probably will. Show us what we're in store for in 2024. This was the Wisconsin uh, 
um, Wisconsin um, Supreme Court. There you go. I'm sorry. Final. It 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 got a brain fart. In Wisconsin, the court the court was the one seat was up for I think election had a liberal and a conservative and the liberal won by 10 points and also a progressive mayor a black mayor won in Chicago so now I didn't see that one but yeah he won because he was up against a like a Joe Manson Democrat where he he caucuses with the Republicans alright the liberal judge can well this race was so important because in 2016 they tried to overturn the election by going to the Wisconsin uh, Supreme Court with that bogus nonsense and they listened to it now that the liberals are in control of the court for now because they're floating the idea of impeaching her and putting somebody else that's just a rumor but who knows Republicans will do anything alright but right now the Wisconsin justice is the dude who lost is crying victim check it out that in a circumstance like this I would be able to concede to a worthy opponent but I do not have a worthy opponent to which I can concede. This was the most deeply deceitful, dishonorable, despicable campaign I have ever seen run for the courts. It was truly beneath contempt. Mm. You see, Who is that? You see, kids. I thought that was a candidate. Yeah, it is. So We're kids, supposed to be. <clears throat> here's the deal. If you want to have a future in politics or elected office, when you lose, I know what you've seen over the past five, six, seven years, but when you lose, you are gracious. That actually, first of all, you should be gracious regardless of how ugly the race was because it's not beanbag, as they say, it's hardball. And if you're going to step into a boxing ring, well, as, as I've told my family for years, expect your head to get knocked off of you. That's the profession that you choose, and elections can be awfully tough. But when it's over, it's over, and you graciously concede regardless. You find something to be gracious about, and then you move on. And as David Marinus wrote in the Bill Clinton book after he lost his race for governor, and the next morning he was out shaking hands and people said the poor guy doesn't even realize he's lost and somebody laughed in the campaign office said oh no you don't understand he's already running for the next election I've seen this time and time and time again the people who are gracious even after losing a really tough personal bitter race those are the people you see in public service for the rest of their lives because they understand it's not about the last election they just lost. It's about the one that's coming up in two or four years. But Willie, right there, 
I mean, I don't. I, I, I hope that Dan Kelly felt good about himself after that speech because nobody else felt good about him. And again, I don't think he felt by the way, him. by the way, I understand how personal this stuff can be. Um, you know, when I campaigned, there a lot of really personal false attacks. But you know what? You just smile and you keep on, you, you walk through it because that happens in politics sometimes. But man, you don't end. I've had friends that have ended that way and they never get elected again. Their career's over. Yeah, he went on to say, Wisconsin voted for what he called the rule of Janet, but that's their choice to make, he said. Uh, that's former Wisconsin State Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly. That was his concession speech last night, and it was Janet Protasiewicz who defeated the conservative in the most expensive state Supreme Court race in American history, giving liberals control of Wisconsin's high court for the first time in 15 years. Yep, most expensive and the liberals liberals are democrats and yes they are in control so if so if trump or any republican challenges challenges votes as they did in 2016 hopefully hopefully like i said hopefully they will be able to strike it down don't have to go to that nonsense. All that nonsense is over with. And yes, he lost by 10. I'm talking 10 points. If you don't know what 10 points is, that's a goddamn landslide. People don't like you. So, does this show that the young people and the Democrats are energized? I really hope so. Because I really hope that it... It brings us to where we have a fighting shot for our future. Because they're really showing racism in our faces in those states. Uh, okay, moving on to our next story. Ron DeSantis versus Disney. Okay, as we know, Ron DeSantis got mad. Oh, and side note. Uh, he banged, he was banning books. Uh, somebody put his book up to be banned in the state of Florida. That's for another day. But yes, uh, he tried to. Well, he took control of the Greedy Creek district. But before they left, the old uh, panel in an open forum, they. Oh, you gotta check the story out. Listen to this. Some late-breaking news from the state of Florida. The new board appointed by Governor Ron DeSantis that essentially was going to oversee Walt Disney World's government services apparently may not have any actual real power. That is because the day before the new board took over, Disney pushed through quiet measures that would heavily limit the new board's authority for at least the next few decades. Thus, I guess, giving the power back to Disney. Joining us now is Puck News founding partner, Matt Bellany. Matt, um, to this board issue, Disney's lawyers, uh, if, if this works, they need all raises because they were smart and got ahead of the state of Florida. Do you really think, though, it, it kind of neutered DeSantis's power? Well, that's the way Disney thinks, and I know that they have a very robust legal department that reviewed this very carefully, and they were conspicuously quiet over the past few months, and now we see why. 
they have essentially inserted language in this contract that prevents this Ron DeSantis board from essentially doing anything that would impact Disney when it runs this uh, Ready Creek district. And that is in direct contrast to what DeSantis wanted to do in putting all of his cronies on this board. They essentially have their hands cuffed by Disney. And it's, I mean, if this works, it is quite the move by Disney. Yeah, you know, listen, I'm not the great poet philosopher Forrest Gump, but to quote him, I'm not a smart man. But I will say this, Matt, I'm smart enough to know I don't think DeSantis is going to take this sitting down. Oh, certainly not. And they're already saying in Florida that they're going to hire lawyers, coincidentally or perhaps not, lawyers that have ties to Ron DeSantis to try to undo this or challenge it or at least figure out how to work with this. So we are gearing up for a pretty big legal fight here. And you've got to be an expert on uh, civics and how these public-private partnerships work in order to figure this stuff out. Because Disney has an extraordinary arrangement in Florida. DeSantis tried to take it away. And Disney, by doing this, is trying to hold on to that control over its uh, over its central district there. You know, let's talk about the other story, Bob Iger, okay? Bob Iger, uh, you know, kind of comes across like Uncle Bob sometimes, right? Like, hey, he's always smiling, talking to Julia Borston. Okay, this guy... Wax Bob Chapek, a CEO, comes back in. Now he's gotten rid of the Marvel CEO. I don't know if that's a good move or not. Maybe you have an opinion, Matt, because Marvel's a big-time moneymaker. I mean, Bob Iger's like the John Wick of CEOs. <laughs> well, that's mixing your metaphors here. That's not a Disney franchise. Oh, it's more like the, the Tony Stark of, 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 oh, no, of Disney. The yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Iger, Iger, this is very much in his wheelhouse here because he would argue that Ike thought first here. Ike Perlmutter was the secret brain behind this proxy fight that Disney had been having for a few months with this investor, Nelson Peltz, who is a close personal friend of Ike Perlmutter. And Peltz had been advocating for a board seat and advocating for cost cuts and all of these things and really a thorn in Iger's side. And they did a lot to placate him, but the message was very clear. Frankly, Ike Perlmutter has not had a major role at Marvel or Disney in seven or eight years now. They really took him out of the picture and sided with Kevin Feige, who has been the creative engine at Marvel. But Ike is still a major shareholder. So they had to deal with him, and Iger has never really gotten along with him. This is really, uh, this is just him saying, you come after me, you're out. Some late-breaking news from the city. Yep, so what they did was... They put in language where the board cannot do anything for the <laughs> the park or the department until the last heir of King Charles has passed away. So, that means one of the kids who have kids can have kids can have kids. So... It is the most funniest shit I've ever seen. Because in Florida, there is a law that you cannot change or do a contract without public forum. And they did it in public on the last day before they left. And that shows you how short-sighted Republicans are. I don't understand. He thought he won. 
They placated to him and then they did it in a public forum. And he is opening up an investigation to see if it's legal, which I do not think he will win. He's also threatening to toll Disney's roads. So what? Toll the roads. More power to him. Guess what? That ain't gonna stop people from coming in. If they if they paid four or five hundred dollars for uh, uh, a package for two to three days, you think ten to twenty dollars just to get there gonna stop them? No way. Not even happening. So this is the person that they want to run for president. God, I hope he does not win. I really hope he doesn't win. All right. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. This is your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. The mission of our podcast is to bring topics to our listeners that affect their everyday life. Give us five stars. Give us four stars. Give us three stars. Give us two stars. Damn, even give us one star. If you don't give us any stars, I'll just assume I'm doing it perfectly. Rate us, review us, follow, subscribe. All can be done for free when you get your podcast. We are available at Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcast, Pandora, Google Podcast, TuneIn. Yes, we are still working on getting Apple. All right, our main story. Yes, our main story tonight. Racism in your face. Why? Why do Republicans like fascism and autocracy? Why is this? The main story that trumped um, Trump trumped the Tennessee House expelled two young black representatives and kept the female representative. Yes, she was white. Racism in your face. Alright, this is 2023. The Republicans are telling Memphis and I think it's Memphis and Knoxville, Tennessee that heavily black cities, they have no representation. That's what they're saying. This is Jim Crow 2.0. But, let's check this out. Joining us now, Tennessee State Representative Gloria Johnson, who was one of the three who was not expelled yesterday. Thank you so much for being on the show this morning. We appreciate it. I guess the question for you this morning is what worries you the most about what happened in the Tennessee State House yesterday, and what gives you the most hope? Um, well, you know, it was just a trial. Travesty process was not, there was no process. There were no rules. We tried to get some um, information on what the, what the rules were going to be, what the process was going to be. We got nothing in, in a, a little bit of direction. They would not allow us to bring in any video of our own. However, when we get there, they make a motion to show their video that we had not seen. We don't know who took it. We didn't know how they edited it. They promised it was only filmed from the floor that day. But it turns out it was not. It was uh, films from other things. So we were lied to. We were misinformed. And it is scary that this is what's happening to our democratic process. Uh, 
Um, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing. And the two young men who are brilliant young men, and they are passionate, and they care deeply about their community. And to see, you know, people, to see how they were questioned in a different way from me. I had some of uh, Republican colleagues say things like, well, you know, um, they didn't show contrition, or uh, they, they have a, the younger, younger generation has a different way of speaking. They have a different way of addressing things. I am a 60-year-old school teacher. Uh, I, I might talk a little more level tone and that sort of thing, but um, it was very clear what this was about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Representative Johnson of Reverend Al Shopton, uh, first let me salute you on standing up saying what this was about in terms of you not being excluded and the others were, and that was race. And I think people around the country uh, get a lot of hope from you standing up having that kind of courage. Uh, Let me ask this, uh, do you see any legal or other ways uh, that could lead to the reinstatement of your two colleagues? And do you see a path forward in terms of dealing with laws around guns in in the state of Tennessee. We are talking about reacting to nine-year-olds being killed at school, and I don't think we want to miss the forest for the trees. So do you see a pathway toward dealing with the gun legislation that the three of you advocated, and do you see a way of uh, legally or otherwise uh, reinstating uh, these two lawmakers that we feel were unjustifiably removed? Um, I think there might be a pathway forward. I think it's going to be baby steps. I don't really trust that my Republican colleagues are going to pass anything that uh, is near enough. But I think we can take steps. And the only reason that's going to happen is because of that younger generation. They have showed up every day by the thousands. And they're staying on this, and they're not going to stop. They're going to keep showing up and speaking up until there's progress. this does happen if, if these two colleagues of yours are thrown out of the house and the will of the voters are overturned would there be a special election in their districts one from memphis one from nashville or what is the recourse exactly here yes um immediately there would be an- okay i misspoke it is memphis and nashville sorry black areas appointments on the metro um, council in nashville or county commission in shelby county and then, within a few months, there would be a special election for that seat. And um, we're, we're expecting those young men to come back. 
Tennessee State Representative Gloria Johnson, thank you very much for coming on Morning Joe this morning. We appreciate it. Oh, good. Yeah, so racism in your face. But I got I gotta, I gotta hope too because on April 6th, listen to what these motherfuckers, listen to what they did to these kids who can vote or going to vote next year. They pissed off young white, not black, white kids. Understand, those are kids who can vote 2024, 2026, uh, 2024, 26, 30. They pissed them off in Tennessee. They pissed them off. Um, that's why I have hope. What you don't do is piss off black women and white kids. This younger generation, they ain't for that shit. They're going to show up. They're going to show up and and they're going to... Uh, I want to say... Get retribution? If is that a good term for it? Because... They pissed them off. Just pass gun laws. Just just pass it. Just try it. That's the one thing I don't understand. They won't even try it. Not even close. Not even close. But. Alright. My my cold. I have an allergy. Now we're going to go to our guy Bo. of the fifth column this one's like 10 minutes but listen to it Bo is a white dude for I think Tennessee so if you don't think I'm I think he's uh, Republican or Independent I think he's uh, Republican but check out what he said talk about Tennessee and messages messages plural because multiple messages went out today and I want to make sure that everybody is aware of the message that was intended for them but before we do that let's say some things you may not know about me when I was in middle school some high schoolers took me and a friend out to a place they called the Bell Witch Cave to this day I have no idea whether or not there was a cave even there what they really did was take us out in the woods scare us and then leave us. We wound up out there for a couple of days. Today, this would probably be a national news story, but it was a different kind. I learned how to ride a horse, chew a horse, just outside Dover. Saying this, because I'm about to say some things probably going to make some people in Tennessee mad, I just want to clear, I'm not a person unfamiliar with the state. I went on the same yearly field trip to the Hermitage that you did. So, the state legislature booted three of 
52 people that they had targeted. 352 people that they had decided to make an example of to send a message with. What were those messages? The first is obvious. You better not get too uppity. You better stay in your place. That's hard to miss. That is hard to miss. The uh, two black men got booted. The white woman, well, she got spared. Right? And even she says that she thinks her skin tone had something to do with it. There's that message. The state legislature sent that message loud and clear to a large chunk of Tennessee. But here's the thing. The racism, it's real. It's thick. It's not surprising. It is disappointing. But that stay in your place part, that was meant for you too. That was meant for everybody in Tennessee. What did they really do today? What did they really do? I know they're trying to frame it as them standing up for for the Second Amendment and all of that, but what did they actually do? They sent out the message that uh, you don't matter, that you don't deserve a voice, you don't need representation because you have rulers. You have people who are going to tell you what to do and you better like it. That's the message. And that went out to everybody, whether you agree with what they did, whether you agree with the demonstration, it doesn't matter. That message is for you. Your betters will decide. You sit down. You be quiet. You don't deserve representation. There's no way they can argue this because you're talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in Tennessee no longer have representation. That was the whole point of what they did today. They're telling you that it's not the volunteer state anymore. It's not a state of free thinkers. It's a state of people who need to sit down, shut up, and do what they're told like obedient lackeys. That is their message for you. That message is for everybody in Tennessee. They're, uh, they're trying to frame this in a certain way. And they're trying to use that framing, frankly, because they think you're dumb. They think you can't count. What two words are in almost every headline and in almost every soundbite about why this is happening? gun control, right? The reason they're doing that is because gun control isn't really popular in Tennessee. It's uh, it's something that they can use to tie these representatives to, these legislators to. They can tie them to that, to that idea of gun control. And then, you're like, well, they're not on my side. Don't worry about them. That's exactly what they want you to think. But again, they're only using this framing because they think you can't count. It's not a joke. They think you're that uneducated. They think you're a hick. Let's be real for a second. The Democratic Party, they don't have the votes to stop one of their own members from getting expelled. You think they got the juice to push through gun control legislation in Tennessee? They don't have the votes. But the state legislature, they know that's something that will keep you preoccupied. They can use that to scare you and scare
other people who are obedient. They do what they're told. That's the goal. You don't need a voice. You don't need representation. You need to obey. That's their goal. That's their message for you. Don't forget it. That's the whole point. You better stay in your place. Do what you're told. Listen to your betters. And just accept your fate. Because you don't get a voice. They want to frame it about the Second Amendment. But it's not. It's about the First Amendment. And then they're trying to use the facade of decorum. Decorum. It's the Tennessee legislature. Please take a look at some of the scandals up there. And tell me you think decorum is something that exists in that house. It's not about that. It's about control. They're trading on your loyalty. They're trading on you assuming they're like Republicans of the past. They're not. It's about control. It's about making you obey. And sending the message that you will obey the party. Your loyalty is to the party, not to the country. Not to the republic, not to the constitution, not to the idea of representative democracy. Nothing like that. Just do what you're told. Another group that got a message today was young people in Tennessee. They got their own message. For a lot of them, that was their first real involvement in politics. And what were they told? Well, they don't matter. Their concerns, their voice. No, we're not going to talk about that. Sit down, shut up, and do what you're told. Make no mistake about it. They're treating the entire state of Tennessee the way uh, they're treating the young people. They're just doing it a little bit differently because they know if they can divide it, well, people who are divided, they're easier to control. That's what it's about. Don't forget that. doesn't matter where you stand on these issues. They're telling you, you will obey the party, period. So, what can you do? They sent you a message. You should send them one back. Here's the thing. Yeah, they, they can bounce these people. They can boot them out. And you can put them right back in there. Maybe you can. If they choose, if those men choose, they can run again. And you can put them back in there. If you want to send a message, that's what you need to do. You need to get out there. You need to vote. Even if you don't even like these people. Even if you disagree with everything that they stand for, you need to put them back in office. You need to use the power of that ballot box and put them right back there. Put them back in their seats. Because the message that was sent, it doesn't stop. It will become more and more controlling, more and more authoritarian, and the only real message you can send back is that you're not going to listen to it. You're going to vote these people right back in. The Republican Party in Tennessee succeeded in creating tens of thousands of lifelong Democrats when they did this. There's going to be a shift in Tennessee politics. It is now inevitable. Your part in that, if you want to be on the right side of history, 
is to make sure that those men who stood up for their constituents, who gave them the voice that the state legislature wants to take away from tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of Tennesseans, you put them right back in office. If they're willing to, to serve again. The Tennessee State Legislature showed its hand. They're not representatives, they're rulers. You don't get a voice. What you think doesn't matter. You're going to do what you're told. Whether you accept that or not is up to you. You have an option. If you put them back in office, it's going to send the message that it's unacceptable would be nice to tie that to uh, not voting for the people who are trying to rule over you. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day. Now that was a deep message. You know what happens when people don't, when they show you don't care and you still vote for them? That's education. That's just you voting against your own interest. So, Here's what the young people did. On the third, they walked out of class from, I think, elementary school to high school in Tennessee. They walked out of class. They walked out of class. Kids who will be voting in a year, two years, three years walked out of class to protest gun laws. Yeah, they did. Please, people in Tennessee, wake up. They don't care about you. Like he said, they try to, they try to tell you they don't care about Poor people, all they care about is money. The NRA gives them money. So, what can we do? Let's listen to Bo one more time. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today, we're going to talk about Nashville and the Capitol. And we're going to look for similarities. We're going to do this because... Uh, you know, in that recent video about Nashville, in the comments, had a bunch of people saying, you know, you can't talk about what happened in Nashville without talking about what happened at the Capitol. You have to address them both. And there were a couple of comments like that, and most of them got less than diplomatic answers to me. For that, I apologize. Um, but at the time, I was thinking that I just really didn't need to address some manufactured talking point and false equivalency. But the more I thought about it, the more I think they're right. I think it is a good idea to show the similarities between the two. I think that's I think that's wise. And 
and uh, I apologize for not seeing that sooner. Okay, so let's look for similarities. For those that are wondering, yeah, it's a monkey paw video. Okay. How much property damage occurred in uh, Tennessee? None. None. According to the uh, Tennessee Highway Patrol, none. <laughs> I mean, so I guess that's not a similarity. That, that's not the same. That's, that's different. But certainly there were a lot of arrests, right?
it's, it's probably, you know, more similar to like a college championship game than, than what happened on the 6th. One was to undermine the Constitution. The other was to exercise rights explicitly protected in it. They're not the same. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day. Yep, the Republican talking point is that they compared it to the insurrection. And hell no, not even close. But is how do you think? Check us out. To support the democracy. We're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. We're in seven in fifty independent states that have our own laws that follow the constitution and, and part of a federal government. Um, the the national popular vote, I know some people say it, it strengthens each individual vote vote, but this this brings us closer to a democracy, which you know that that's not a good thing. Our, our, they say the quiet part out loud. They're trying to stifle your vote. They are trying to stifle your vote. All right. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I'm your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. Our mission is to bring topic to listeners that affect their everyday life. Please give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars, give us one star. Even if you give me one star, I'll appreciate it. But if you give me no stars, I'll just assume I'm doing it perfectly. You can rate us, review us, subscribe, all for free, wherever you get your podcasts. We're available at Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung, Podcast, Pandora, Google, and yes, we are still working on Apple. This is our show for the week. Please tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's get out and make this possible that these people do not, do not win in 2024. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Thank you all who download or listen. Please spread the message. And thank you so much. There's no point standing around and only be showered by more boulders. Ready your horses on the double. Be honest. Are all of us riding toward death? Yes, we are. And since we're dying anyway, you're saying that it's better if we at least die fighting? I am. But wait, if we'll die anyway, then who cares what we do? We could just disobey your orders, and it wouldn't mean a thing, would it? Yes, you're precisely right. <laughs> Everything that you thought had meaning, every hope, dream, or moment of happiness, None of it matters as you lie bleeding out on the battlefield. None of it changes what a speeding rock does to a body. We all die. But does that mean our lives are meaningless? Does that mean that there was no point in our being born? Would you say that of our slain comrades? What about their lives? Were they meaningless? <laughs> they are not! Sometimes I'm the one!